The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles with me, please, if you would, and let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 1, please. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and 1 Corinthians is there in the New Testament, just behind the book of Romans, and we began a brand new study last Sunday morning, uh, beginning to get into this book of uh, 1 Corinthians and discussing uh, what all that it has to, uh, uh, to talk about and what the lessons that are brought from it as well. And we're calling the series Reset, and the reason for that is because, as we learned last week, the Apostle Paul went to Corinth, and uh, he helped establish the church. We'll talk more about that even here this morning as we begin, but he helped establish the church, and the church started off on a pretty good uh, standing, a pretty good foothold, if you may. It was going in the right direction. Unfortunately, though, uh, because the church is made up of human beings, right, just like you and I, uh, in our sinful natures, they, uh, that church kind of started to go uh, astray. They, they started to leave the things that the Lord had uh, instilled into the, their life and had his plan for their life as well. And so Paul is writing this letter. That's what this book of 1 Corinthians is. It's a letter and uh, from the Apostle Paul, written underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he writes it to the church, the believers there in Corinth. And he is uh, writing to them to help encourage them to uh, set up, uh, get their, 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 uh, their standing back, their, their uh, feet back on the right course, if you may. As you saw on the screen before, it said reset. In essence, to hit the reset button. And I illustrated that last week uh, with a game system up here on that table. Uh, we had the, uh, the original Nintendo Entertainment System up there, and that was the, uh, the granddaddy, right? Uh, that was kind of the one that I grew up with anyway. And uh, it had that power button, but sometimes after you powered it on and turned the game on and started playing, you'd have a glitch or it'd freeze or whatever, and you'd have to hit that uh, reset button to get it to kind of reset and, and get that button or get that game acting in the right way again. And spiritually speaking, that's what the letter of 1 Corinthians does for the believer. It helps us to get our focus back on the Lord, as we learned last week, that it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Get our focus back on Him and kind of hit spiritually that reset button, if you may. Now, let me say this this morning. That reset button on the Nintendo did no good unless you had first pressed the power button. You had to have it on first, right? If there was no power to it, you could hit that button all you want, and it wouldn't do anything. And uh, for the believer to have a reset button, you got to be a first believer. And for you to have, for for what I'm saying here this morning is, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, the most important thing is that you come to trust Him today, and that you know Him as your personal Savior. But I got some other, uh, some more props up here this morning, and uh, this is my my purple pail of prizes. You like that one? But uh, in, this, uh, in this, it has a, a nasty, dirty uh, Power Wheels battery, an empty Tupperware container, a dented and empty Coca-Cola can, and some dirty, soiled uh, shoelaces. And you say, Pastor, what in the world does all that garbage have to do with reset in our spiritual life? Well, I brought them and showed those to you right now for you to think about that, and I'll explain it more at the end of the message, all right? But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want you to read with me in verse number 4. Verse number 4 says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by Him, in all utterance in all, and in all knowledge, 
even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come uh, behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you in the, unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Our Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you again for the opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for this day in which we celebrate the uh, region in which you've placed us, and the opportunity for us to gather, to be able to uh, serve in this community, and for those who uh, help make up this community into what it is today. And Lord, I ask now that you'd be with the message as it's delivered. Give me the words to speak, and uh, that your Holy Spirit would guide us in this truth. And Lord, we want to honor and glorify you in all that is done already and all that is still to come and will happen after the service as well. And Lord, we ask that your will be accomplished this morning, that you be high and lifted up. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we read here in 1 Corinthians, as it is kind of Paul's uh, typical fashion, he's moved from the salutation or introduction of this uh, chapter in verses 1 through 3, and then moving into verse number 4, right directly into a prayer of thanksgiving. If you go and read uh, some of the other epistles or letters that the Apostle Paul had written, you'll find at the beginnings of it, a lot of times he says, I prayed for you and I'm thankful to the Lord for you. That's kind of how he begins to open up many of his letters as he would write to different people and to different churches churches. This church of Corinth, in Corinth was uh, one of the first Greek churches that the Apostle Paul helped establish there uh, making his way through Asia Minor. And before he had reached Corinth, the Apostle Paul had been in Athens. We read this in Acts chapter number 18. And while the Lord had him there in Athens, the, the Apostle Paul, he kind of met some opposition. Uh, his work there in Athens wasn't as as uh, productive as it might have been as in other uh, cities and in other places as well. He found a lot of opposition there in Athens as uh, he tried to preach the word to those that were there. But when he was sent to Corinth, as he arrived, he, he arrived with almost, uh, with, uh, uh, with uh, not much opposition, but rather some great uh, uh, acceptance as he went along as well. And it's clear that the Apostle Paul Put, in, put forth the same amount of effort in both cities. It's not like he kind of just sat back and kicked his feet up in the lazy boy recliner uh, there uh, while he was in Athens and then put his all into his work in Corinth. He put the same amount of work into both, but we find that he had different results. And I believe that's part of the, the Lord putting that into the Word of God for us to realize that God's work is accomplished by God Himself. Right? We, we, could, we could try to put our, our hand to the plow, and we could try to make something happen, but if God's going to get the glory, He's got to do the work. We can't do it ourselves. And the Apostle Paul, he could have sat there in Athens. He could have kept trying. He could have done everything he could, but he instead was led by the Spirit, and he followed the leading of the Spirit and went into uh, Corinth. And when he, when he came into Corinth, he found an eager response instead of a meager response. And we find in Acts chapter number 18, in verse number 8, it says this, as he came into the city, it says in Acts 18, verses 8 through 10, it says, And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, one of the first people that the Apostle Paul met when he came into Corinth was a man of prestige. He was a man of a, of a title, a man of power, a man named Crispus, a, one that was the chief ruler of the synagogue. And verse number 8 of Acts 18 says this, that as Paul met him, that this man believed on the Lord, but not just this man believing on the Lord. The Bible also goes on to say, and all his house. 
So Crispus and his family came to trust Christ as their Savior. Then the Bible goes on to say this in verse number 8, And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. So Paul... He's in, he's in Athens, and he's preaching the word. He's giving his all, and there's not many that are receiving him, not many that are accepting Christ as their Savior. The Lord then leads Paul from Athens to Corinth, and when he arrives in the Corinth, one of the first people he meets is a man of power and prestige, and I'm sure Paul's thinking, man, uh, you know what? There's probably not going to be much to, uh, success here either. This is the first person I'm coming in contact with. He's not going to want to hear me, but he did what the Lord demanded, uh, commanded that he would do, and he started sharing the gospel with him, and this man got saved. Not only this, this man trusts the Lord, his whole family trusts the Lord. And many others in Corinth began to trust the Lord as well. And the Lord goes on to encourage Paul in the night through a vision and say, Paul, I've got great plans for you while you're here in Corinth. You're going to see great and mighty things and great and mighty works accomplished. Why? Because I have much people in this city, the, the Lord said. See, before these people had ever trusted Christ as their Savior, God knew they would. And so God encouraged the Paul in the fact that, hey, we've got, I've got great blessings in store for you. Now, as we read in verses 4 through 9 this morning of 1 Corinthians 1, we find that the apostle Paul begins to reminisce, if you may, on the work that the Lord did as he helped establish this church in Corinth. He begins to think back on the great blessings that the Lord gave there in Corinth, and he begins to give thanks in this, this prayer of gratitude for Corinth there. But even as he gives this gratitude, we find that the Apostle Paul, he starts to also share some of his concerns, because some of the things that he discusses here in his prayer of thanksgiving is some of the things that he's concerned with, that the church has kind of fell off base a little bit, fell off track. But I want you to notice with me, my friends, that even as he had concerned about some of these things, even in those concerns, Paul was still grateful for the believers of Corinth. I want you to notice there's three particular things that the Apostle Paul shares his gratitude in his prayer for, and what, how he's thankful for the Lord's working in the lives of these believers at Corinth. And as he offers this prayer of gratitude, notice, number one, we find that the Apostle Paul says that he's grateful for grace. In verse number four, the Bible says this, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. See, it's typical as we read the writings of the apostle Paul, that he's able to find something, no matter what place he's in, no matter what situation or circumstance he's experiencing, no matter how bad off he seems to be, it's, we've, it's interesting to note that we are always able to see Paul finding something to be thankful and grateful for. That was one of the keys to his victorious life. And I'd submit to you this morning that it's the key to us in our life, as well as believers, to having a life that is victorious today. See, the Apostle Paul was thankful for the Corinthians and for the grace that the Lord had bestowed upon them. We read that in verse number four just a moment ago. Now, Paul had been in Corinth for a couple of months, and after a while of being there, he had his companions show up. 
A man named Silas and a man named Timothy would arrive there in Corinth with him for a while. And Silas would come, and when he came, he brought some great news from uh, Berea as he discussed with Paul about the events that were taking place there and the work of God there. Timothy got, brought some great tidings from that of, uh, uh, of uh, Thessalonica as well. Unfortunately, though, some of the things that Timothy had to bring were not, were not so uh, pleasing to Paul's ears. So the Bible records how Paul wrote a letter to the church at Thessalonica as well. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul is writing to this church and he's saying, I'm glad to hear about all the good things happening, but let me just say, I've heard that this is a little off and maybe you should turn to the Lord and and allow him to work this in you. In, In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18, you want to know what Paul says that the church ought to do? In verse number 18 of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, he said, in everything... Give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, the Apostle Paul said. See, this was a principle by which the Apostle Paul lived by, having a heart of gratitude. It wasn't just something he preached. It wasn't just something that he said that everybody else should do, that he didn't practice. He practiced this principle of gratitude. And we find here in this, in our verse number, verse number four of 1 Corinthians 1, that he's putting it on display again. And the Apostle Paul says, you know what, church? I am thankful, I am grateful for the grace that God has bestowed upon you. And as John Phillips would say it, that he was personally thankful for it. Paul said, hey, I'm thankful, I'm grateful, I'm personally thankful for it. Look at verse number four. He said, I thank my God always. The Bible says that, The Apostle Paul said, my God. It's showing that he had an intense, personal relationship with the Lord, to which he was personally thankful for the gift of grace that God had bestowed upon himself and upon the churches there, uh, the church there in Corinth. See, God was not distant to Paul. God was immensely close, and he was his father. He was his friend. And not only does the Bible to make it clear that we are able to offer up uh, our prayers to God and come boldly before His thr- throne of grace, but we also, because of our standing in Christ Jesus as believers, have the opportunity to declare God as our God as well. Think with me, my friends. The Bible, would, what Paul would write later on in, as he writes to the, the, to the church at Corinth, he says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Now, when we get saved, we are put or placed in Christ. And when Christ made and provided for us to be able to be saved, He did so by hanging on the cross, being buried and rising again. Do you remember any words that the Lord might have spoken while He hung on that cross? He cried out, my God, my God. And the fact that Jesus possessed God the Father as His God, and we are placed in Him, my friends, We have the same opportunity and the same ability to know that God is our God. Paul said, hey, I thank my God always. Paul had a personal relationship with the Lord. And my friends, you and I can have a personal relationship with the Lord as well. But not only did Paul say he was grateful for grace because he was personally thankful for it, he also said he was grateful for grace because he was perpetually thankful for it. Look what the Bible says there in verse number four. I thank my God. What's the word? Always. Always, he said, I thank my God. 
And uh, Paul says, uh, thank there. That word thank is in the present tense. He's saying this, that in spite of all of the problems, in spite of all of the issues, in spite of all of the wrongs that are taking place, he's still thankful to God for the fact that he's worked in these believers' lives. He's thankful constantly for them. He's continually thankful for them. And he adds that adverb always to it that has the idea of understanding that without expectation in all times, in all circumstances. Isn't it amazing? That as Paul left that church and it was thriving and it was seeing great blessings and great things accomplished, and now he's hearing word that things are not going as well as he left it. He's hearing that their things are not going as great as they used to, that he's still able to be thankful. Isn't it amazing? Have you ever thought about how we allow the circumstances of our lives to steal our gratitude? Have we ever considered the fact that no matter what is going on in our life, God is still always faithful? Paul knew that, and therefore he was able to stay perpetually thankful. He said, I'm grateful for grace because I'm personally thankful for it, perpetually thankful for it, but he said also because I am pastorally thankful for it. Look at the verse number four again. Always on your behalf. Now what I mean by this, my friends, is I, I have no doubt that the Apostle Paul had a great shepherd's heart, a heart of a pastor. He cared much for the people that he had led to the Lord and the churches that he helped establish. And the Apostle Paul knew that in the coming verses throughout the rest of these chapters, there's a lot of things that he's going to have to correct. He's going to have to get on to them. He's going to have to say, hey, straighten it up, pretty much. But before he got to that point, he wanted to express to the believers at Corinth how much he loved them. He wanted to express his heart for them. You ever heard the phrase, most people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And Paul could have came out right from the gate and said, guys, get over this. You know, I'm on this team. I'm on that team. Hey, fix your marriages. Hey, fix what's going on. Hey, quit acting this way. He could have went right for the jugular, as they say, right? Right out of the gate. But before he did that, he wanted them to know how much he cared. Why? Because he had the heart of a shepherd. He had the heart of a pastor. My encouragement to all of us here is anytime that we might have to come to a brother or sister in Christ and have a time where we sit down and say, you know what, I've just noticed that, you know, I know the Word of God says this and we, it's just not being matched up there. Can I encourage you in this way? Can I exhort you in this way? Before we ever do that, let's make sure that they know how much we do care about them. And we're not trying to say, oh, I'm better than you and put myself in some position that I'm not, but doing it out of love and compassion for our brother and sister in Christ. Notice he was prospectively thankful for it as well. Verse number four says, for the grace of God, which was given you by your good works, right? No, nope. if you have your Bible, I want you to open it. First Corinthians one, verse number four, the last phrase, he says, I thank God for the grace, it says, of God, which is given you by who? Jesus Christ. See, Paul's perspective was, you know what? The blessings, the grace is not because they earned it, but because God extended it. God gave it. And my friends, that is the classic definition of grace itself. Unmerited favor. It is a, a gift from God with no evidence that such of a gift was ever earned. 
You know what that means, my friends? When the Bible says that for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When it says that our, our salvation is a gift of God's grace, it means that God had freely and willingly extended that gift of salvation by his grace. Not because we've earned it, not because we've deserved it, not because we've done anything for it, but because he's God. And that was the perspective that the Apostle Paul had concerning grace. Here's the problem with the church at Corinth. They began to say, well, I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. I'm of Peter. And they tried to exhort themselves. They tried to build themselves up because of their associations. They tried to make themselves to seem more, more important than somebody else because of their associations. And the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, you have received these blessings and you've received this grace, not because of who you're around, not because of who you associate with, but because Jesus Christ bestowed his grace to you. And he says, hey, my friends, I'm thankful for the grace of God in my life and in yours. Notice, secondly, well, the Apostle Paul, in his prayer of gratitude for Corinth, he also said, I'm grateful for the gifts that God has bestowed in your life. Verses 5 through 8, we won't take time to read the verses right now. We'll pick them up as we go along. But uh, he's saying here that they were made rich in Christ Jesus. And it's not just this in the sense of an eternal inheritance, but they also were rich personally in speech and in knowledge as he speaks about here. We'll talk about in just a bit. But the believer had the access to the wisdom of God and the ability to carry out that wisdom and truth in their daily lives. In fact, last week, that's what we said the whole theme of Corinthians is, is the fact of how to live out our spiritual life, our, our life of faith in the world around us. And the church of Corinth was not lacking in anything that they needed to be able to accomplish the work of God. Now, it's interesting, my friends. I'm reminded that the Bible tells us that God, the God that the church at Corinth served and the God that we serve today, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we've already discussed in our series through the church that he likens the church to a body. And therefore, he's provided for the body. He builds his church, and he's going to provide for the body everything necessary for it to accomplish his work and his will in that certain locale. And so, my friends, if the church at Corinth had everything they needed to be able to accomplish the work of God, I submit to you this morning, my friends, that our church, Mount Vista, has everything we need to be able to accomplish God's work today as well. And he's chosen to use us to be able to accomplish it. Notice with me that Paul says he's grateful for the gifts that God has given to this church because they were a talented church. Look at verse number five. It says that in everything ye are enriched by him and all utterance and in all knowledge. See, he says that they're not enriched in some things. He says they're not enriched in just partial things. He says in all things they are enriched. Note that the, Paul, the Apostle Paul uses the words or the phrase in everything and the word all twice in one verse. He's saying everything, not just materially speaking, not by the world's riches, but something that is more precious, something that is spiritual, something that is eternal in its riches, that is found only in Christ Jesus. They had been enriched in these things. We discussed last week in the background of this city, Corinth was a physically wealthy city, right? Because it sat on the coast of two ports as it ported from uh, the Aegean Sea to the Mediterranean Sea on the west. And, and we find that they would have been a very wealthy city. But this is not what Paul is speaking of. He's speaking of their riches in Christ Jesus. 
And because of that, Warren Wiersbe writes this. He says, the Greek word translated enriched gives us our English word plutocrat, which is, means a very wealthy person. The Corinthians were especially rich in spiritual matters and spiritual gifts. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 tells us that. But we're not using these gifts in a spiritual manner. The fact that God has called us, set us apart, and enriched us ought to encourage us to live holy lives. How, can we not be guilty, my friends, of taking the things that God has blessed us with and using them only for our own good and our own gain? Oh, yeah, we can. We can be guilty of taking the blessings that God has given us. And let me, don't get me wrong. He's blessed us with those things where we can live and we can make a living and all that. But at the same time, should we not take those things and offer them and use them for His honor and for His glory? I believe that's why He's given it. And I believe that's why we find that the Apostle Paul is thanking the Lord for the gifts he's bestowed. But later on, he's going to correct the church in the fact that they were, they were using their gifts incorrectly, even to the point of wanting to desire gifts they didn't have for their own glory and for their own gain as well. We find not only were they a talented church, but they were also a testifying church. Look at verse number six. It says, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. This testimony is referring to the fact that Jesus Christ had been preached to the Corinthians. They had trusted him as their savior. And the gifts that he had bestowed was evidence that he was working in their life. And so their, the, the, the way they lived and the, the, the testimony of their mouth told others about the wonderful grace that had already been bestowed upon them. And the same is true for us today, my friends. Do you understand that today? That the, our lives are sometimes the only Bible someone might ever read. The, our, our lips and the words from our mouth is going to be a testimony that ought to bring honor and glory unto the Lord. And Paul was thankful for that fact. That's how they started out, but he's going to address it later on. Hey, you've kind of slipped. There's some things we need to address. But notice also they were a triumphant church, as we see in verse number seven, so that ye come behind in no gift. He's saying, hey, you're not lacking anything. You are spiritually successful. And each gift is literally a gift of grace, which should put an end to any pride or any boasting because they didn't do anything to merit those gifts. And guess what, my friends? Neither did we. It's a gift of God's grace that is bestowed upon us. Then lastly, we find also that they were a trusting church. Look at the last part of verse number seven. Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's already spoken of the gift of grace that brought salvation. That's a work in the past that they trusted Christ and received his grace. They talked, he was talking about the gifts that they had to be able to work for the Lord. He's talking about the present right then. But here he's even talking about their trust in the future, that the Lord was coming again, that they were going to spend an eternity with him. See, they were looking forward to what the apostle Peter wrote about in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 13, where he says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, my friends, they were waiting with a desire for the Lord. But the last thing I noticed, I said there was three things the Apostle Paul specifically said he was grateful for. Grateful for grace, grateful for the gifts that the Lord had bestowed. But more importantly than the grace and more importantly than the gifts, he was grateful for the one who made it all possible. He was grateful for God. Look at verse number nine. Verse number nine says, God 
is faithful. We sang that song, God is able. And part of the, the verse says, God is faithful and he will make a way. My friends, we sing it, we declare it, do we live it? And the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm thankful for the God who made all this possible. Yeah, hey, I, I understand there's some, there's some issues right now. It's been disrupted a little bit. You're not necessarily working in the same fashion in which you were, but I'm still thankful that God's still in control. I'm still thankful that God still has his hand in this. And he says, I'm thankful because God is faithful. What is he saying about the faithfulness of God? He's saying that they will be confirmed, that is to be established or to be made sure all the way to the end, that they'll be found blameless at his coming, not because of what they've done, not because of who they are, not because of what they possess, but because of who God is, who they are found in Jesus Christ. It's a gift of his grace bestowed upon them without earning it. And we find that he's also thankful for God because of the fellowship that they'll endure or that they, will, that they are secured, and I should say rather. See, you understand this morning, my friends, that we, if you are saved, you are saved because God provided the way for your salvation. Amen. Before the foundations of the world, before the foundations of the world, the Bible is clear that he already came up with a plan and prepared a way so that even today, you and I might be able to know him and have a home in heaven. And my friends, I'm thankful also that God doesn't Take back his promises. See, he's faithful in the fact that he's going to keep his promises, and his promises is that if he saved us, he's going to keep us to the end. And so we are, we, are, we are secure in the fellowship that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not like he's going to wake up tomorrow and say, well, he doesn't sleep anyways, but it's not like we're going to wake up tomorrow <laughs> and he's going to say, oh, I don't, want to, I don't love you anymore. He's faithful in all of his promises, and our fellowship is going to be secure and endure until the end. See, you and I had no part in God's original desire for our salvation. You understand that? Because he came up with this before you and I were even born. And so if we had no part to play in our salvation, how can we have any part to play in losing it? We can't. We couldn't have that, my friends. And the Lord is faithful and his fellowship endures forever. You might be asking, Pastor, why does the Apostle Paul start his letter in such a way? The introduction, that salutation, and then this prayer of thanksgiving and gratitude. Why is he started out in such a way? Well, I believe it's because the church of Corinth was showing evidence that they did not understand what they have obtained through the faith alone in Jesus Christ. The believers in Corinth were affected by their culture. Now, let's be honest, we all can be affected by our culture. Christianity, the things of Jesus, have always been countercultural. also, my friends. Don't believe me? Just look at the political scenario of his day, and you'll find it to be true. As believers, we should be countercultural In the world, not of it, right? But the believers at Corinth, unfortunately, were being, pro being uh, affected and influenced by the culture of their day. Corinth was the quintessential Greek community, if you may. They prided themselves in their, in their wealth, in their wisdom, in their sophistication, in their oratory. And so the church in Corinth began to reflect those prideful qualities as well. When uh, the faith first arrived in the city, the new, the new converts, they found themselves as equals in the eyes of the Lord Jesus. 
because the ground is level at the foot of the cross, my friends. But as time went on, they began to try to figure out new ways to elevate themselves, to try to make themselves stand out and above the rest. And they valued wisdom and knowledge, and they began to admire eloquence and speech, and they respected wealth and prestige, just like the Greek culture around them. But Paul says, hey, listen, what you've obtained in Christ is better than all of that. And every single one of you as believers have that to your name as well. So there's no reason for you to say, I'm better than so-and-so, or because I'm part of this group, I'm better than this person, or anything of those likes. There was no one that was superior than the other. That they didn't need to seek for something greater than what they had already obtained in Jesus Christ. And while uh, while they were arguing about who had had greater honor, and, uh, and as they chased after greater forms of wisdom, they were neglecting to realize the greatness in what they had already obtained. So the Apostle Paul wanted them to understand that in Christ, there's always something to be grateful for. In Christ, there's always something to be grateful for. How does this purple pail of prizes and its trash that's inside of it have anything to do with our message today? Well, it has everything to do with it because while this battery might not function in the way that it was created now, I have the memories of when it did work and the fun times that my kids had riding around the backyard and their power wheels and chasing each other, running their brother or sister over once or twice. (laughs) But I, I, I am thankful that even though it's not working now, I'm thankful for when it did and the times that my kids had to enjoy with it. I'm not going to put this big old battery in a flashlight, but it's not much different than any other battery, right? I'm thankful for batteries being in existence at all. I can put in a battery into a flashlight when the, uh, when the lights go out or the power goes out and still be able to see. And it's a lot more powerful than a candle ever would be. So what does a ba- broken battery have to do? Well, it might be broken now, but I can still be thankful for what it had done in my life in the times it gave me in my life. This uh, Coke can, man, it was good yesterday. (laughs) It might not have anything left in it, but when I enjoyed it yesterday evening, I can be thankful that I had a time to sit down, that I had a place to sit down, that I had a a, a cool air-conditioned place to sit down and enjoy this beverage as I drank it last night. It might be empty now, but I'm thankful that At one time, it was full, and that I was able to enjoy what was in it. I'm also thankful that if I collect enough of these, I can get some money after it also, right? (laughs) Here's a Tupperware container. It's empty now, but earlier this week, it carried leftovers, and I carried it to to the church with me here, and I popped it in a microwave, and it fed me with the contents that were inside of it. I'm thankful for the fact that I had a meal. More importantly, I'm thankful that I have a wife that makes good meals that I enjoy. I'm thankful for a wife that makes good meals that I enjoy even the second time around as well. And it might be empty right now, but I can remember and be thankful for what God has provided for me in the past. What is these dusty, nasty, dirty old shoelaces have to do with anything? Well, Right now, they're not in a pair of shoes, so they're not able to function in the capacity in which they were made to function. But even though they're dirty and grimy, if I put them back in, they could still work, right? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the fact that 
If these were shoelaces from my kids' shoes, that uh, they care, that those shoes help them run around the backyard and enjoy a time together and the adventures we've been on and all those types of things. I'm thankful for shoelaces being invented as well. Because if there were no shoelaces, what would we be wearing? Sandals. I just don't roll that way. And I don't go barefoot either because I have tender feet. So I'd be in a mess of trouble at that point. See, they're not functioning the way they should be, but I can still be thankful for how they function and how they functioned when they were functioning the way they were. The Apostle Paul's writing to a church that, yeah, they weren't functioning the way that God intended them to. But that didn't mean that Paul still couldn't be thankful for what they were doing and who they were even in Jesus Christ. Hey, friends, maybe, maybe the reset button that needs to be hit in our life is the reset button of gratitude. Maybe the reset button of, you know what, hey, I've focused on all of the events of life and all of the circumstances, and, and I don't want to b- d- diminish or belittle your circumstances right now. You might be in a rough place. But if you're on, the, on this side of the dirt, it's always better than it could be. And maybe we just need to say, Lord, would you hit that reset button of gratitude in my life today? Would you remind me that, yeah, things might not be going the way I planned or even expected, but you're still good. God is good all the time and all the time, God is good. And we need to be reminded of that often, don't we? And maybe today, as even Paul, he, he, listen, he's expressing his gratitude for the gift of God's grace. And he's saying, he's doing so remembering what God had already done, but he's also thinking about how they had forgotten about God's grace and tried to make their own way. He's saying, I'm thankful for the gifts that God has given you and how they had used to use them for God's honor and glory. But unfortunately, they were using them for their own glory and for their own selfish pride. And in the midst of all of that, listen, he's saying, I'm still thankful for you. And things might not be perfect in your life, but there's always something to be thankful for. Maybe the Lord needs to hit that reset button today and remind us to be grateful. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. If I might borrow from the illustration of the Nintendo last week, today's your day to hit the power button. Today's your day to trust Him. He died and He gave His life because He loves you. He rose again so that you might have life eternally. Could I invite you to stand to your feet with me, please, this morning? With her heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to have a brief time of invitation before we dismiss and go out for the activities outside. But I'm going to ask three, three simple and quick questions. And I just ask that you respond with an uplifted hand as you respond to those questions. My first question is this. Who here would say, Pastor, I know for sure that I'm saved. I know that heaven is my home. I know that Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. And if I die today, I would spend eternity in heaven. I have been born again. Could I just rejoice with you? Would you slip your hand up and write back down a testimony of that? I know Christ is my Savior. Hands all across the auditorium. I praise God for that. You can put your hands down. Thank you for uh, testifying to that end. I wonder if there would be anyone here this morning who would just be honest enough to say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that heaven's my home. I don't know that Christ is my personal Savior. I'm not sure that I've ever been born again. And if I were to die today, I do not know that I would spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you or anything like that, but I would love the privilege to be able to pray for you today and pray that the Lord would give you the faith to trust Him 
and that today would be the day that you know Christ as your personal Savior. So if you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that heaven's my home. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Could I just pray for you? Would you slip your hand up and write back down? Anybody like that here this morning? Then one last question. Who here would say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. Heaven's my home. All that's taken care of. Pastor, as we've heard the word of God declare today, maybe the Lord's reminded your heart about the need of gratitude, about being thankful for what the Lord has done. Is things perfect? Absolutely not. But does that mean that we can't be grateful? Absolutely not. We can always be grateful. As the Apostle Paul displayed, and as we've heard from the Word of God today, always giving thanks. Who would say, Pastor, please pray with me. Pray that the Lord would help me and remind me constantly of His goodness and that I would have a grateful heart for what He's done in my life. Could I pray with you? Would you slip your hand up and write back down? Hands all across this auditorium. I'm going to pray. When I'm finished praying, the piano is going to begin to play. Maybe you'd like to come to the front and kneel at what we call the altars here, these steps, and just uh, and bow to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, help me to be grateful. Help me uh, just uh, remember what you've done. Maybe you're not able to come to the front and kneel, but right there in your seat, you just lift up your heart to the Lord and respond as he's spoken to you through the word today and uh, let him have his will and way in your life. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love and your goodness. And Lord, we just ask that you would accomplish your work and way here in this time of invitation. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano plays, the altars are open. If you'd like to come to the front, or right there in your seat. You lift up your heart in response to the Lord for what He's done for you. I think it'd be good for all of us, regardless of whether it's here or in our seat, just to take a moment and say, God, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for uh, providing life for me. Thank you for giving me a home. Thank you for family. You say, oh, you don't know my family, but you still have one. Or no, no one's perfect. Could we not find it in our hearts to just be grateful for what the Lord has done? That'd be appropriate for all of us, I believe, to take that moment and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you so much for being here this morning and are grateful for all of our guests, especially for being here, being a part of this special day. We're going to be dismissed with prayer. And as we do, uh, I'm going to invite you to make your way out of these auditorium doors and go immediately to your left and uh, out these uh, south doors. Right out here in front of the playground is where the uh, food reception line should be found and uh, be able to go across there, across the, uh, the asphalt. And so smooth uh, walk over there. Then there's a sidewalk that goes in front of the next building. We call that our annex. Uh, there's tables and chairs set up inside there and uh, the air conditions on as well. So you can go in and get out of the sun, get out of the heat a little bit. If it gets filled up and there are no more seats in that area available, down at the other end of this building is our fellowship hall. There should be a few tables in there. If if not at least some chairs to where you can sit down and put the plate in your lap and still be out of the heat and in uh, the cool and such. Out back, directly behind us, there'll be some bounce houses set up. Uh, there'll be some carnival style games as well. Everyone is welcome to participate in that. 
I know that the young people especially will enjoy it, but everyone's welcome to participate. You'll be able to earn some tickets there. Then there's going to be a prize uh, table and where you can exchange those, ta- those uh, tickets there for some surprises. So I'm expecting to see some, uh, some, uh, some of y'all with the, with the gray hairs walking out with a stuffed animal, all right? So uh, and, uh, just enjoy some, show us your real age, right? And uh, so we're looking forward to this time together. I hope you enjoy the, the lunch. Even if you have to kind of jet, you can't stick around. I want to encourage you to go through the line uh, and get yourself a plate of food at least. We've paid for all of the plates already. And if it gets eaten or not, it, we've already paid for it. So take it home and uh, enjoy the time together. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for our community. Most of all, we're thankful for our Lord and uh, grateful that you were able to join us today. We're going to pray and be dismissed. I'll be out in the lobby there as we are going. I'd love to be able to shake your hand. There'll be some folks at the welcome desk if you're new here as well. We want to put a gift into your hand. It's just our way of saying thank you for being here and participating in the services today as well. And uh, David, would you mind praying and asking the Lord to bless as we go? And uh, just lift up your voice there and without the microphone and just ask the Lord to bless us as we're dismissed this morning, all right?